Welcome to the Fit and Fierce podcast, a show to inspire and empower you and remind you that we're all a little messed up and that's okay. I'm your host, Megan. And in my personal journey, I realized that the fiercest thing I ever did was to ask for help. I no longer wanted my story to rule me. I was going to own it and share it. And throughout each one of these episodes, I want you to remember that being flawed doesn't make you less. It makes you more. Hey lady, welcome back. I got to have one of the best conversations today with my guest, Christy Hughes. And in our conversation, we talk a lot, or Christy openly talks a lot about her path with alcohol and drinking and eventually sobriety and how she's turned from being this introvert to empowering others and stepping into this, what she calls a decade of transformation, which I absolutely love. And the cool part about having these conversations is that I always learn something and I'm challenged. And I hope that this brings pieces of this to your life as well, because when a thought process that I've had and stand really firm in is challenged, it's very exciting for me. And in our conversation, you'll see as we dig deeper, but Christy and I are talking about living in the gray and about balancing all of these pieces and not being black and white, but then how in some cases and for some people, you can't live in the gray. In Christy's path with sobriety, she learned that being black and white is something that she had to embrace. And where does that fit for you? So remembering whatever we're thinking you're going through, always be a little open to something else or a twist on it or a shift on it and know that maybe somebody's path isn't your path and that's okay. But where can we pick up these little tiny pieces? Christy talks a lot about too, all of these little pieces and steps that snowball into something bigger and bolder. And it's a really interesting conversation that again, challenged my way of thinking, which really is exciting to me and it's encouraging to me because if we all thought the same way and did the same thing all the time, we would never grow and evolve. And we're all growing and we're all evolving and changing. And the more we can embrace that, the more exciting it is. So sit back and enjoy the wonderful and beautiful words of Christy Hughes. Hi, Christy. How are you? Hi, Meg. I'm good. It's a little chilly as we're recording today, so I've got my sweater on today, but it's out of the norm for Texas. I was, it's so funny, I was just before we started talking, was talking to a friend and earlier in the week said, I'm so glad I can wear a sweatshirt. And today I was like, remember when I said that? I'm not, I'm cold. Like, uh, it's, no, but. Well, it'll be very short-lived here. I think it's back to the 80s um, in the next week or so, so. You'll you'll be back in the normal. Nice little break. Yeah. Well, Christy, why don't you go ahead and just fill everyone in just a little bit more about you and who you are and who they're listening to. Sure. Well, um, I uh, am a native Texan. So I know I mentioned Texas. I live here in Texas with my husband and our two dogs and some backyard chickens. Um, I am... I've been on a very sort of transformational journey for about 10 years 
And so I'm, I'm loving starting to talk about, you know, helping to encourage others to do the same. But if I go back kind of around my story, it's, um, I, it's really centered on uh, my sobriety and my recovery um, and how that has, has led into new opportunities. Um, I was raised in Texas. I uh, started my career in retail, so always knew that that's what I was passionate about in terms of a job, but always kind of had this, um, I don't know, just this feeling of being less than and just kind of quiet. I think now this has been so different for me, willing to share my story because it's definitely not where I came from. Um, as a kid, I just, I was, I started to get really overly sensitive and insecure towards other people's, um, you know, opinions and thoughts. And so it just really started to make me feel, um, I knew I had some kind of some self-esteem issues and um, just how to overcome being so withdrawn. And in high school, then that sort of, I started dabbling in, you know, alcohol and, and drinking and found that Ooh, that really changed who I was and how I how I interacted with people. And gosh, that girl who was shy and introverted just came out of her shell. So that continued for me for a long time. I went from a really studious kid to college, just not performing well at college. I I just valued going out and making friends and having a good time over studying. <laughs> so it was just a really interesting shift for me at that time, going from being such a good student and such so concerned about, you know, performance and, and achievement to then just kind of a switch that flipped and it became all about, you know, popularity and, and wanting to fit in. And I thought all of that would, I would kind of leave that behind and after college, um, I did get a really good job in retail, kind of my dream job. And so I was working in a buying office and, and had just loved that aspect of it. Um, I still was you know, going out with coworkers and happy hours and didn't think it was too out of control, but all this time, I was also a blackout drinker. So I couldn't stop myself. Normal people, they're you know, a normal person drinks has one or two and then that's it. They're they're relaxed, they're good. For me it was always uh, a binge. So I was definitely a heavy binge drinker. I I was um, I got married and I've been divorced, so I had marriage in my 20s. I thought that getting married and buying a house and doing all of those things was going to be the the key to happiness and and it wasn't um but a lot of that just was related to the drinking and i was battling depression and i didn't really hadn't really recognized the anxiety portion of it at that time but i i know now that's really what i focus on is is minimizing anxiety but just um did a lot of work with doctors and therapists around depression. I never really made that link. And, and I don't think probably because I wasn't being truthful enough with the doctors is why they weren't saying, oh, take a look at your alcohol use and your alcohol habits. 
so it's, um, you know, I've always thought depression was the root cause. And then turned out that, you know, once I got sober, that it was, um, realized that alcohol was, was really what was holding me back and, and exacerbating all of the mental health issues that I was having. Um, I moved to Arizona in 2012 for a new job. I had been in a couple of really toxic relationships after my divorce. So I moved to Arizona. I thought that was going to be my fresh start. And I, in a lot of ways, it was. So when I talk about kind of that decade of transformation, I think that was a really a good way for me to get away from things, you know, in environments that weren't serving me. But I also kind of was able to foster that independent spirit. I started dabbling in some things like yoga. So I started doing yoga at the gym at the office and didn't really, at the time it was like, oh, you know, I just want to be more flexible. But <laughs> I had no idea where yoga was going to take me yet. Um, I started to reconsider my drinking and especially when I met um, my husband now at the time we met in a bar but <laughs> but it still worked out so that was good but uh he yeah I really wanted to I really valued that relationship but I really wanted to um you know not engage in behavior like we would have you know alcohol fueled fights so it was like I don't this is not what I want so I started to dabble in, you know, white knuckling through some sobriety, but um, it was, it wasn't until I moved back to Texas and, and it got sober in 2018 uh, for good. So, yeah, but I just, I, I think it's all these things that little things along the way that have led to this huge transformation I have today, um, the yoga and sobriety and writing i've started writing again so i really have a passion around writing i wrote poetry as a kid and and let all that go so um yeah there's just been this this uh very painful couple of decades that were centered around alcohol that have now transformed into um this midlife awakening so i'm 45 now and, I, and it's like think about people with midlife crisis and it's like oh I think for a lot of us it's a midlife awakening and I'm loving it <laughs> I I like this midlife awakening piece and and how you said to Christy it's it's time it's all of these steps and all of these paths and challenges and struggles that lead you to that place and I really really believe that we can't get to this, not that there's a final destination, that's not a way, but you can't get to this space of awakening and opening your eyes and shifting and changing without each and every one of those steps along the way to bring you there. I just, I don't think it's possible. Yeah, I, I look back and it, it was definitely not, um, there were no quick fixes. And I think one of the things I've really come to believe lately too is the idea that there's no one size fits all approach either. So you try something and it doesn't work and then maybe you give up. Whereas like each of these little things that have contributed to my growth, you know, it wasn't like um, 
I don't know, there were times, I guess, where maybe I didn't stick with something or maybe I wasn't doing yoga as often. And I'm, I'm not like a daily yoga practitioner. So it's not, you know, for me, it's like, okay, if I can do yoga once a week, if I can get out and garden once a week, if I can do these, all of these various things that they all contribute in their own way. And so that's why when I try to say, oh, certainly sobriety and giving up sobriety two years ago or giving up alcohol two years ago was a huge turning point. But I don't always think that that's the one thing. I think there were other things that were all at play. So yeah, I like that, you know, it's, it's, um, I think people should try to have that sort of multifaceted approach to their growth. Well, we're multifaceted, fascinated. I can't say the word today. We are, uh, we have all these different layers to ourselves in everything, whether that's emotionality or relationships or business or sobriety or working out. Like we're not just one thing that we're just going to stand firm in. It's all these other little shifts and things. So to just say there's going to be one root cause or one fix or one thing, it's just not, it's not the case. Yeah. And, and, I, and I've loved learning and opening myself up to learning new things. You know, it's, you mentioned um, like working out and those sorts of things. I think one of my other big learnings is like, I don't, something that works for a while doesn't have to be forever. Yes. And yeah, so it's, I think about the things that were so important to me 10 years ago. And I was like, die hard into football and I spent all my weekends um, hanging out watching football and then you know in the gym all the time working hardcore workouts and always looking for something new to push myself and so today it's like oh you know we're at our land on the weekends we might catch a football game if we happen to be home on a Sunday and you know our team's playing or um, you know yoga or bar or some of these other forms of movement are, are what works for my body today versus you know, pushing myself really hard in the gym. Um, and so, yeah, it's, I think too, it's, it's honoring the fact that your, your tastes might change, your, you know, something that you thought defined you doesn't anymore. And it, and it was hard for me, believe it, like coming to that realization or accepting some of that was really hard for me. So I'm not, I'm not trying to suggest that that's easy either. Um, but it's been interesting seeing how maybe something, you know, maybe it served at the time and it doesn't now, or maybe I wasn't really that passionate about it and I just thought I was. <laughs> yeah, I, that's an area that we've talked about quite a bit on the podcast and, and just with the ladies that I coach and honestly, very openly and honestly myself is with, for me, especially with working out or with a way of eating or following a plan, I become, I get so attached to it. And even when it's not working, I still just white knuckle it and just bear down and just push and do because honestly, I, I had been so scared of what does it mean if I don't do this? What, what is I, the unknown? I don't know what that is. And that's very scary and uncomfortable for most of us. And we, in, we become, we start to identify, or at least I had with so many of those things, 
that was my identity. So if I gave that up, that what, what the heck am I then? What does that even mean? Yes, absolutely. I think that's for a while I had a, a fitness page. And so, yeah, I was like, Oh, if I'm not doing all these things, then, um, then, you know, I'm putting out this persona that I'm not living. But I think that, that for me was a big part of that sort of identity crisis too, was I was, I was working that hard and trying to put off this, you know, Oh, I'm, I'm, like being super fit, but then I was binge drinking several mm -hmm. nights a week. So then that really played in my headspace, you know, with, with my mental health around um, just the shame that came with, okay, I can't even do this. I can pick a plan and I can try to stick to it and then I can't do it. So, you know, how can I encourage other people to be fit when I can't do that myself? I mean, talk about what a perfect storm for shame and imposter syndrome. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and just those self-destructive actions and behaviors. Yeah. And, you know, the, the ultimate, you throw around the word self-sabotage, you know, or, or like, that's what I felt like I was always, um, you know, striving per for perfection with every new plan or program I started. And when I failed, I just failed hard. <laughs> it, was, it was like all, all or nothing very much. So, so um, yeah, I think in, in sobriety, I've definitely worked on letting go of those ideas of control and perfectionism. And so for me, that means I can't be super rigid with plans. Um, you know, even like planners or other things that people use as tools uh, that, that provide structure I've, I've let go of that idea that, oh, I have to, you know, live my life by a planner. What, I'm, I'm glad it works for people. Like, I mm -hmm. think there's some amazing planners out there, but like, for me, it's almost kind of triggering with, okay, if I don't stick to what I planned for this day, you know, I, I've failed and I might as well not do anything the rest of the week. <laughs> so I know that about myself and now I can, I, I, I work with a different sort of to-do method, so... Christy, I have a question that I don't know that you'll be able to answer. Maybe it's, you'll have to think on it a little bit, but for you know about yourself that living in that really structured, that all or nothing mentality is not a serving space for you to be. It's not a serving space for most people to be. Um, but how do you balance that with sobriety when to me and this is not a struggle. So you probably have a different view than I do. But to me, sobriety is pretty black and white. It's kind of all or nothing. You are right. Yes. And that is, sometimes I think to myself, like, this is the one thing <laughs> that I do consistently. <laughs> so, um, and, I, and I will say, I mean, there's other things I've done consistently. But yes, when, when I made the choice to get sober one day at a time. And yes, you, you wake up, okay, I'm not going to drink today. And then you lean on other people as needed to help you not drink. So, you know, it's, it's meetings, it's sponsored, whatever, but um, you're right. There is no, well, I say that there is some uh, recovery structure out there around gray area drinking and we don't have to get, you know, I don't know as much about that, but it's funny when, when I say black or white, there is some um, what used to be 
around the idea of high functioning alcoholic has kind of transformed in the recovery space to gray area drinking. So, you know, maybe you're not full blown alcoholic, but you're not happy with your drinking habits, but not to get too far on a tangent, but yes, for me, it had to become nothing. Um, but I, but I'll, I mean, I did struggle for several years around, um, okay, can I moderate? Can I take some time off and then I can drink again and it'll be normal. So there, yeah, that was the one thing that I finally had to say, okay, there is no, yeah, it, it's black or white, it's clear cut. I cannot drink um, because I cannot drink like a normal person. And for you, I think that comes from, again, I'm, I'm completely putting a blanket statement on it. So this is where you get to jump in and say you are totally wrong or <laughs> this is not. But to me, what that sounds like is, you know, that's what's honoring yourself best. And for somebody else, they might say, whether I have alcohol or how I have alcohol, or honestly, let's, let, like, let's call a spade a spade. For me, that was working out. For me, that was food. Whatever whatever piece we're using for numbing or for checking out, come back to what is your intention with it. And if it in some, if you can moderate that in some way and it truly is serving you, then that's one space. If you know it's not, then maybe you do need to be in a black and white space. Like that's going to be so individualized. I can only imagine. Yeah. And I would agree. And I think that's why it's hard when, I know I've talked to other people who are, you know, they want to, they feel like they need to stop drinking because it's a, a, maybe a not healthy relationship with alcohol, but it's so hard because nobody can tell you, oh, it's, yes, it's time to stop drinking. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you have to come to that, that decision yourself. I think when you think of, you know, you're right, anything, you could use anything to numb. Um, and I certainly had, you know, my, I ran the gamut with, you know, exercise and counting calories and food and all those things too. I think when I knew with alcohol that I didn't have an off switch, mm. that like you said, setting those intentions. So it was okay. I, I only want to drink two drinks at happy hour and then that's it. And it's like, I was miserable because I was new. I knew I was having to put these rules around it that, that mentally it was like, Oh, I want more. So mm -hmm. I just, I knew that, that, that not having that off switch was a very unhealthy place to be. Um, so yeah, that, that's what helped make the decision for me, but you're right. It's so individual. How do you use Christy, the experiences that you had from your sobriety from, I love when you had talked about being shy and introverted to now stepping into empowering others. How do you, what do you do with that now? And what does the work that you do look like? Yeah, so I, I first started to explore my writing again. So last year, I started a blog about kindness, and it, it stemmed from my volunteer work. So I've been volunteering for Meals on Wheels for a little over two years. I love it. It's the highlight of my week. And my friends would say, oh, I love hearing about your experience. So I started a blog and so I thought, okay, well, I'll write about volunteer stories. But I also wrote about work travel and meeting new people in different cities or trying new things, maybe trying new exercise. And people really resonated with that. It was like, oh, I think that's so cool. That's so brave. 
So at the beginning of this year, my yoga community, we set out on a year long path to manifest a dream. And I thought, I really want to combine these two ideas of kindness and bravery into a message that maybe longer term I could hold retreats out on our land or something like that. So I kind of backed that up and thought, okay, well, what can I do now to, to start to foster this idea of being brave and being kind? And so it was a perfect marriage of those words. I started a business called The Brave Kind. And I still have the, um, the, the old website with the blog is live, but my new website is wearethebravekind.com. And I still write my weekly blog, but I expand it to the stories that people like to hear about, you know, maybe, maybe one week it's, I had a really cool experience volunteering and I share that, or the next week it was like, oh, I really stepped out of my comfort zone and here's how that went. And so people love those stories too. So it's really centered around the blog, but now it's also figuring out, you know, how can I bring that message to others? I've done an online course. So I have uh, several women that I'm working with right now through an online course and planning for in-person workshops in the future. Um, I have a, a shop. So I have some artist and maker friends that I collaborated with and said, hey, you know, here's my idea courage and compassion, what could you make that kind of fits in with that? So I have a friend who makes beautiful crystal jewelry, and so she picked stones that resonate with the idea of the brave oh. kind. Oh. My, my next door neighbor makes t-shirts. She actually made a t-shirt for me for our photo shoot for my website, and people said, I love that shirt, where can I get it? So, so we accidentally stumbled into the t-shirt. <laughs> I like those ones. <laughs> so that's been fun too, because not only is it about um, helping others understand courage and compassion and how they can bring that into their lives, but also lifting up other women and other friends who are creative in their own right and, and bringing that as kind of a, it's a kind of a marketplace, a collaborative marketplace. So talk about multifaceted. I've got a I lot of different things that I'm doing on there, but. And that was my note that I wrote down and I <laughs> like love you even more now, Kristen. <laughs> I always feel that there are themes. There's an underlying theme to every conversation that I have. And that multifaceted is definitely the theme of this is there's just, there's not one thing. There's not one way. There's not one step, one process, one t-shirt chat. Like there's just, it's all encompassing all these little tiny pieces of us. That's so cool. Yeah. And I think it's because I, I, I have a day job that I love. Um, and so I'm, and I'm in the pet industry, which is a very compassionate industry. So I love that. And it was never my intent to, you know, let, let this new sort of passion project take over, but it's been fun figuring out and just even through so the work we're doing through the yoga group to manifest a dream, to, you know, to, to meditation and just thinking about how, where could I take this? And so yeah, it's kind of settled into these different, different, I guess, you know, tabs in the, in the website that, that can lead you a whole bunch of different places. And so I, I'm enjoying it a lot. I love that. And all of the information, of course, is going to be in the show notes, but um, where is the best place, Christy, for people to find you? 
So on Instagram, it is the underscore brave kind. I also have a Facebook page, which is the brave kind. And I do have a women's community through that Facebook page. So it's a private group um, that women can join and you know, share stories of courage and compassion and get support from the group. And then the website is wearethebravekind.com. And like I said, of course, all of those links and everything will be right in the show notes. So you guys can just hop down there and check them out. And Christy, as we wrap up, I always end with a couple questions. And the first one is, what would you say is your super weapon? Oh, gosh. Um, What's well, funny, so I scored really high on the strength factors around harmony and empathy, which I love because I think empathy is such an important thing to have. But I really value my authenticity. Mm. I think that as I've rediscovered that, I feel like that's really my my superpower is, is honoring myself and using that to help others. Clearly, by the work that you're doing, you live up to that, that authentic, well, you live up to all of those, but authentic, authenticity for sure. And what does being fierce mean to you? Oh, I think for me right now, being fierce is just embracing that courageous aspect. I like to to use the lion as the spirit animal. In fact, I just got a tattoo of a lion not too long ago for that reason. So yeah, it's, it's um, just being strong and, but not in a ferocious way, just that, that courageous way. So yes, I love calling in my lion um, when I need to be a little more fierce or direct. I love that. Thank you, Christy, so much for sharing everything that you did and, and for giving us your authentic self, for showing up and for sharing topics that aren't always comfortable or aren't always deemed appropriate, quote unquote, by society. And for someone else to hear this that is struggling and feels like they're alone in that, hearing those messages, I know for me personally, made all of the difference. And I know that that's what you are giving to somebody out there right now, probably more than one person out there to be very honest with you. So thank you so much for that. Well, thank you for having me, Meg. I just, I love the, the topics that you share on the podcast. So I'm happy to be a part of it and have had this conversation. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Fit and Fierce podcast. If you enjoyed it, please head over to iTunes, subscribe and download so you never miss an episode, and drop me a rating and review. It's the best way to support the show and to keep more episodes coming your way. See you next time.